So as we turn to Scripture, uh, I want to invite you to pray with me. Lord, it's in your light that we see light. It's in your truth that we find freedom. And it's in your way that we find peace. So come, Lord, shine upon us now that we may see you more clearly and reflect your light into all the darkness of this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we've been saying in this sermon series, the Exodus story is our story. As Christians, our lives are lived on a journey, on a journey, as John Bunyan put it in his masterful allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, from the city of destruction to the celestial city, or as we've been saying, out of slavery in Egypt and through the wilderness toward God's promised land. It's a journey of learning to leave some things behind, of dying to ourselves, in order to find the abundant life of Jesus. The Exodus story offers us markers to understand where we are in this journey of our own lives. So two weeks ago, we were challenged to see the places in our lives where we might be enslaved. Maybe that was an easy thing for you to see, or maybe you're still scratching your head about that. What about life isn't working? Are there places where you feel stuck or trapped? Many of us have grown comfortable in Egypt, and it's become harder and harder to even see the slavery anymore. But maybe someone will play the role for us of Moses, standing up to say, so much more is possible. Jesus is calling us into abundant life, into rest, into peace, and he means it. He's calling us out of slavery to busyness and anxiety and fear and malaise. There is a good and broad land there waiting for us, the, the wide-open countryside of salvation. There's more out there and better. But getting to that place is going to feel like stepping out of slavery and then wandering in the wilderness. As we begin to set out on that journey this morning, we come to the next marker, the wilderness. Following Israel's journey, we can prepare for the challenges we too will face as we journey with Jesus into freedom. So if you're ready to take that journey, to explore that next step, I wanna invite you to do whatever you need to do in order to listen well to these words from the book that burns, but is never burned up. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the Sin Desert, which is located between Elam and Sinai. They set out on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into the desert to starve the whole assembly to death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. That's Exodus 16, 1 through 3, if you want to follow along in your Bible. I've never really liked that story. Never liked it. Israel 
has been miraculously saved, like miraculously. You may remember the story of all the plagues in Egypt climaxing in the Passover. They're brought then through that whole Red Sea story we heard last week, the seas miraculously parting. They cross on dry land. They watch the waters close back in as the Egyptian army tries to follow them through and drag them back into slavery. The story tells us they see the bodies of their captors dead on the shoreline. Can you imagine the jubilation as they come to realize they're free? The whole of chapter 15, the community is singing God's praises for this awesome thing that God did. After generations of suffering and slavery, they are free. But freedom isn't quite what they expected. See, the promised land isn't on the other side of the Red Sea. They're rescued, but rescued into wilderness. We tend to scoff at the Israelites in this story, safe as we are on our side of the page. God just saved you, we say. You you saw the whole Red Sea thing. You literally just walked through on dry ground. The story ended saying that you believed God and in his servant Moses. So why are you complaining? How have you turned your backs on God and stopped trusting already? You come to one difficult patch in a desert and you want to run back to Egypt? One of the things I want to do is just step back, put ourselves into the story with them, and see it from their perspective. You know, Israel was all the Israel, Egypt was all the Israelites knew. Egypt were was the only home they'd ever had. Think of that, the only place they'd ever lived was Egypt. The only jobs they had ever worked were in Egypt. The only food they'd ever eaten, the only climate they'd ever known, the only place they had been for generations was Egypt. They left behind everything they had ever known. Think about what that would be like. Slavery wasn't great, but I'll take the known over the unknown any day, the certain over the uncertain. And not only had they left behind the known for the unknown, but this new reality wasn't looking so great. They were in a desert. They were worried each day they would starve. And suddenly slavery wasn't looking so bad. At least they had three square meals a day and a bed. At least they didn't spend their days wandering around on hot sand hoping to find food and water. There was something comfortable about slavery. There was something known in it. With freedom comes the unknown. With freedom comes a period of reorientation that can be jarring, a period of wilderness wandering. The Exodus story offers us signposts, markers for our spiritual journey. The first signpost was to recognize we were in slavery, to realize we're enslaved. We'll never begin out on this journey if we don't see our lives as slavery. And so we need to hear the voice of God calling us out and promising us freedom, promising us something more, an abundant life. We need to hear someone like Moses telling us God has seen your life. God knows your suffering and your pain, and God has come down to rescue you. 
to bring you out and to bring you to a good and broad land. We need someone to cast a vision for us of what God wants to do in our lives and to help us hope toward a better future. The second signpost was at the Red Sea. It's there where we're asked to realize that the only way out of slavery in Egypt is giving up control of our own lives in order for God to do the work. It's to admit that we're powerless, that no amount of our own striving and trying and planning and scheming and working are ever going to set us free. The only way out is down, giving up control, trusting that God will catch us, will rescue us, and will carry us through. The wilderness is our third signpost. The other side of the Red Sea isn't promised land. It's desert. We're rescued, but rescued into wilderness. It's important to recognize this next marker in our journey because the reality is not that we just need to ask Jesus into our hearts and then everything will be sunshine and rainbows forever. Sometimes we talk about coming to Jesus as though it were this magical, everything is transformed in a moment, your life is fixed, and no difficulty will ever come again kind of thing. But we don't go from the Red Sea to the Promised Land. We enter wilderness. And the wilderness isn't a comfortable place. It's not a very attractive place. Wilderness is a place of uncertainty and difficulty, of the unknown and the uncomfortable but it's also the place where we meet God. It's the place where we're purified, where we're changed slowly but surely and transformed. The wilderness is where God is. And it's the only place where we're able to take on the new identity and learn the new ways of being and living that we need to, to make it into freedom. We just don't want to walk in the wilderness. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. We don't know what's out there. There's no map that guides us through. The only assurance we have is this promise that there's freedom somewhere on the other side. It's easier to just settle for slavery in Egypt. Better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? At least slavery was, was comfortable. It was status quo. In the book club this week, somebody said, there's inertia, right? You've been living your life this way 30, 40, 50 years. Change is hard. It's easier just to settle for okay. Life may not be working, but do you really want to change? This is all I've known. I've figured out how to distract or numb myself from the things that aren't working in life. I've figured out how to manage slavery. My life might not be abundant or free, but it's working. It's comfortable. At least in Egypt, the Israelites said, we ate our fill of bread. There's something really interesting about the human condition where we can see places in our lives where, at least through the lens of this series, we'd call slavery. We know things aren't how they should be. We know that we're stuck. We know we're called into something more or different. And yet, when faced with the difficulty, the uncertainty, with the unknown of actually stepping out, most of us will turn back and head for Egypt. 
We can see that in some of the really big examples, this, this is obvious in our lives. People who battle addiction struggle not to fall back in once they've given it up, or they give up an addiction to one drug and find themselves addicted instead to something else. Or someone who's in an abusive relationship fights and fights to get out only to find themselves down the road in another relationship of abuse. But this problem isn't just for them. I believe this happens just as much for the rest of us. That fresh out of slavery, we come a couple weeks into the wilderness, and when we reach that hardship, come to think maybe slavery wasn't that bad after all. Maybe your addiction is busyness. The frantic pace of life finally catches up to you and you take a break. Maybe you go on vacation, unplug, unwind. Maybe you even get a life coach or a therapist. Um, you find some healthier rhythms in life. But before you know it, you've been sucked back in. You're back on the hamster wheel. You're just as busy, just as frantic, just as exhausted. Maybe it's perfectionism, that you're almost crippled by this need to do everything perfectly. And you begin to see that and see the negative impact that has in your life. And so you begin to take steps, to step back from some things, get some help, learn to embrace good enough. You decide to give up that old saying that if you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. And so you give away a project to someone else and let them run with it, only to have them fail to reinforce all those voices in your head and to step right back into your old ways of doing and doing everything. Maybe for you it's just a sense that God might have something more for you. Life's going okay, nothing jumps to mind as we talk about slavery, but something starts to resonate when you hear this promise that there's abundant life out there. That God wants to bring you into a good and broad land. And yet you wonder, what would that even look like? Where would that take me? What would I have to leave behind? And so we wonder, why not just turn back? At least in Egypt, we ate our fill of bread. The next signpost in our journey is wilderness. No sooner have we stepped out of slavery than we start to hear voices that say things like, you know, it's not really that bad. Or, now's not really a good time. There's, there's way too much going on for me to think about changing something significant in my life. Or, change like that's not really even possible, especially not at this stage in life. Maybe we even just wonder, could God's life really be any better than this? Maybe we start to think, I'm actually not really sure I could give this up anyway. There's all sorts of resistance that begins to mount inside us, telling us to turn back. Recognizing this as a marker in our journey um, doesn't mean that I now get to show you the, the magic way to fix it. I wish I had that, but I don't. All it does is it allows us to see it, to recognize that moment in the wilderness when we need to back up and see the larger scheme of things. It allows us to know that moment's coming, 
that when we step out into the wilderness, we'll soon encounter an almost uncontrollable urge within us to just turn back and to know that's normal and to know that if we do, it's okay, but to turn back around and head out again. The point of finding this marker isn't to magically fix it, but to prepare you for that moment when you find yourself in the wilderness yearning for life back in Egypt. But there is something I can give you. There is something else that I want you to see. See, we stopped in the story at verse 3, but if you pick it back up, Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, this is what happens next. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make it rain bread down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. And if you keep reading through that next chapter, you'll see the story of manna, of the bread from heaven that God sends down upon the earth each day to sustain the people of God for 40 years of wandering in wilderness. See, the wilderness is a difficult place. The people were afraid they'd starve. They were anxious and afraid for their lives, and they wanted the quickest route possible back to comfortable, which for them meant heading back to Egypt. At least there we could eat our fill of bread, they said. So what did God do? God sent bread. God sent daily bread. God didn't whisk them off into the promised land. God didn't magically solve every problem for them and bring them to the end promise. God sent daily bread, just enough for each day, just enough to meet them right where they were that day, right then, right there, for what they needed in that moment, not to magically fix it all, but to give them enough to survive another day, to take another step, to keep going on the journey, to keep walking and walking and walking until that glorious day when at last they wouldn't need daily bread anymore because they'd come into the promised land, into that wide open countryside of salvation, a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey as God had promised it, a full and abundant life that Jesus promises to all those who are willing to leave Egypt behind, journey with God through the wilderness, and trust the promise that God has something more in store. Don't turn back. Don't look for the easiest and quickest fix. Don't settle. The wilderness isn't an easy place, but God is in the wilderness. And it's the only way through to the promised land. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this story, as strange as it is, for this reminder of what comes in the wilderness, that though we find you there, that though you are guiding us, it's a difficult journey. And at times it feels like it would be so much easier to just turn around and go back into Egypt, to just settle for what was comfortable, for what we've known, for the status quo of our lives. So Lord, we pray 
that you'd continue to provide our daily bread. Continue to provide what we need each day to just take another step and another step, to continue to pursue you in the wilderness, to continue to follow you in this journey as you lead us on into the freedom of the promised land. Continue, Lord, to help us to find community, to bear our burdens together with one another. Continue to nourish us for the journey and continue to lead us by your spirit. All this we pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.